0: Welcome to the Doggish Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to dog parents and the topics, events, and personalities impacting their lives today. My name is Jason Arias, founder of Forever USA. And as always, I have Miss Sylvia West with me, certified pet trainer, pet expert, and owner of Dog Up in This Bitch Dog Training. How are you today? Well, actually, I'm good. I'm,
1: like, I'm in a little different setting. I see that. If anyone hasn't noticed my missing dog wallpaper. Um, and no, this isn't a green screen background. <laughs> this <laughs> I'm visiting my parents. So it was my dad's 79th birthday on Happy
0: Thursday. Birthday. So we
1: are yeah. Um I am
0: Yeah, what'd you think about today's topic? So, so we've had freaked out you know, after yeah, our interview in, with Mary. In, yeah, we've I had mean, two in a row honestly, now that are kind of <sighs> not like I hate to call them debbie downer podcast because i I, i'm hoping that it energizes people to take action and do something
1: i mean i feel like if anything they're really informative and i think that we're maybe shining a light in an area that probably is forgotten for most people um and um yeah i think let's just get into it today we have mary powell from the red cross she's the executive director there in nevada the Red Cross so let's um let's get to chatting with her
0: let's do it officially good morning to everybody
1: good morning
0: a little monotone this morning
1: just a little bit (laughs)
0: Sylvia's (laughs) Sylvia's doesn't isn't sitting with her doggy wallpaper in the background
1: I know but I do have this wait this cat pillow so there's that yeah
0: yeah but it's Saturday
1: this one Right there. If you're not watching this on video, you're missing <laughs> excellent cat pillow footage.
0: Okay. And it's like I have a cat on my show. And I invited uh, Mary to be on the show from the Red Cross. And Mary and I have known each other for a little while now. She actually used to work as part of the Forever USA team. Um, and then how long ago did you start with the Red Cross, Mary?
2: Just over a year. This is my second disaster season to be amongst and to, to unfortunately of the worst that we've had in our history. So
0: yeah.
2: lots of learning curve opportunities.
0: And we went to breakfast a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago. And when we were talking, uh, she had brought up that the red cross also like obviously. And I mean, it's a, it seems obvious when you're talking through it, but I don't know that I necessarily thought about it when I think of the red cross, but because they're helping people who are displaced from, bad things happening in the world that includes animals as well. And so I thought it would be great just to kind of have you on and talk about that and like kind of broaden people's spectrum on what the red cross does. And um, especially it'd be, I mean, interested to hear what's going on here in the uh, on the West coast with all the fires that we're having right now and and what you're seeing with, with the animals. So maybe like let everybody know um, what it is that you do and what part of the world that you're in and all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, so I'm a, an executive director with the American Red Cross. My territory is northern Nevada. So we're, we're active a lot with the, some of these fires that are here on the Sierra and kind of pushing people into Nevada as they're evacuating. Um, but, you know, Red Cross really works very, very collaboratively. So disasters across the country end up across my desk at one point or another. I'm actually slated to potentially deploy down to Louisiana with this hurricane. So, hurricane in. yeah, so again really in tune with disasters across the country but in our in our backyard right now we do have wildfire activity. The number one thing that Red Cross responds to though is individual home fires and we're doing that about every two days in in Reno, Northern Nevada area. Um some areas it's multiple times a day just with home fire activity. So
0: so this isn't just of- like natural disaster stuff. This is Minor no, yeah, personal a lot of disasters. people don't realize
2: that, that we really mm. are involved anytime that a disaster impacts a home like that, whether it's a fire, um, floods, uh, not floods from like, you know, your dishwasher, but a flood that, you know, has come in because of excessive rain or something like that. If you're displaced and your home is deemed inhabitable, we're certainly going to want to be able to provide you that safety.
0: So but does like the Red Cross just naturally reach out to you or does this something that you need to know about? Like let's say Yeah, that's what uh, I was unfortunately wondering. my house burns down. Are you guys just gonna show up like men in black and you're just there or like like sometimes do need to it know? works that way?
2: Yeah, it works that way a lot of the times, and it's not it's not a trick. It's uh we're we have really good relationships with our Fire, fire, fire departments, uh, emergency managers. So oftentimes we are notified that a house has been inha- impacted. If for some reason that communication does break down, anyone is always welcome to call one eight hundred Red Cross and report uh, a situation themselves, and and we can reach out and see if we're available to to assist, uh, depending on the criteria of things. But yeah.
0: So what kind of things have you been seeing happening lately? Because I know, like when we went and sat down last time, I think maybe we had to delay lunch or there was something that was just affecting time-wise because it just seems like lately we've been dealing with one disaster after another disaster and they just kind of compound. And so like, what extremes are we dealing with right now?
2: Well, that's just the the reality of the situation, right? We used to have what we called a disaster season and we would see, you know, maybe five somewhat large scale events happening within a year and we would pop up a big operation, support it. Once it was kind of managed, we would we would scale back down. Uh, Red Cross is really pivoting to a much more chronic state of response because we have so many large-scale mm. disasters now happening around the year. Typically, it's fall, right? Wildfires, summer, it's wildfires. Fall, it's wildfires. Hurricanes are, are usually fall timeframe. Um, tornadoes, same thing. They, they go through a cycle. But then you see things like what happened in Texas last summer last winter, like these extreme cold events. And we're just seeing more and more, uh, extreme events They have longer durations. They're impacting more area, um, for, for longer periods, just bigger groups. So disaster preparedness is just going to be a part of every person's life across the country. Uh, you probably have something within your area, regardless of where you are that could impact you at any time.
0: What about cities?
1: Okay, we're gonna take a... Oh, you gotta take
0: a uh, break. All right, Jason, yeah, we're taking
1: right. a, a quick
0: break. Very good. <laughs> okay, so like but one Jason, of the things. Oh, you can I talk now? Something about? Are you, about do you want to talk? Are you are you mm-hmm. ready? Like I can. This talk. This is all about you. Okay, let's go. It's all
1: you, Jason.
0: <laughs> so. Like, uh, some of the things, so like with Texas in particular, that was in my mind, I mean, super fluke. And I know we're talking about disasters, so, I mean, they're not normal, but I mean, you're not seeing those kind of temperatures in Texas very often, but with living in a city, let's talk about Los Angeles or San Diego or something like that. What kind of things would people expect there? Cause like, we're not talking about forest fires in the middle of San Diego. Really?
2: Well, I mean, we do have some well, pretty large yeah. <laughs> wildfire activity in really? some of those southern California. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as the Santa Ana like, winds as a, Ange- in, as a Los Angeles <laughs> yeah.
1: resident, like we get a lot of wildfires.
0: What about like civil unrest? Yeah, stuff? I think you last you year we lost like
1: 200 acres.
2: Um, what were you saying yes jason? to answer your civil question unrest. jason we do monitor civil unrest so we wouldn't help in in ur- like in a not urban but like in commercial areas so if it's a business that's impacted red cross is not going to support but if a home is impacted through civil unrest we would we would stand up and and provide support in rare cases we get involved in what we call mass casualty events and and those are really unfortunate we don't like to talk about them, but the shootings in Las Vegas uh that happened, we were very much present and providing a lot of mental health support uh and helping to get that community back on its feet. So we we monitor a lot of different activities that are happening. Um we were down at the building collapse in Florida and supporting um, the search and recovery effort, we were we're actually managing the reunification center and helping families to get reunified and then transferred into some long-term mental health support and spiritual care support um, through that situation. And then of course the housing, because the people that did evacuate that building still had to go somewhere because they couldn't go back. So we get involved in a lot of different situations. And, and when we're called, if there's if there's human suffering in the face of emergencies, that's what we're called into typically. That That's our mission statement is to alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies.
0: Gotcha. So you guys are kind of like the coast guard almost.
2: We're a pretty big agency. I mean, we're nonprofit hundred percent. We're sure. completely dependent on um, donations. Some people actually think we are a government agency and we're not, um, but we've been around for a yeah, hundred ask about that. 140 years that red cross has been active and engaged in our country. And so, whoa, yeah, we have some very long standing ties um with with our response efforts and the role
1: that we fill in in our nation. Okay. Okay, wait, wait. So I have a question. Oh, you got you ready No, now? I have a question, Jason. <laughs> so, what do you can you do you know what the first 140 years ago? Is that like documented What the first? I need to know what it was 140 years ago. What did you guys do? So
2: 140 years ago, our founder was Clara Barton, and she's a nurse. And it it really came back to supporting troops in wartime. A lot of people don't realize that the Uh. International Federation of Red Cross, which is our international um, entity that all these different, you know, country chapters, kind of country entities fall under, the International Federation of the Red Cross is actually the custodians of the Geneva Convention. So we're there to, to put kind of some of those wartime rules in place that, that help to um, mitigate human suffering even through wartime. And so Clara Barton was there helping troops on both sides of war in 140 years ago. And a lot of it goes back to nursing. Our first Nevada activity was nursing we were training nursing um, through the Comstock during smallpox outbreaks, like in the late 1800s. Uh, so even in Nevada, we go back as early as 1989 or 1898, I think is the number. So uh, long history within Red Cross. We've evolved and adapted over time, but a lot of our core mission programs remain intact.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. When you said we go back as far as 1989 I was like, Oh, your girl's feeling old. No. So I'm glad you changed it.
0: <laughs> 18, <19. laughs> Yeah. Okay. So like we awesome. kind of like dived into that and all this stuff, but um, on this show, one of the things we talk about is the growth that we've seen of animals becoming part, not just like a um, like holding a place in our life, but truly like family members to us. And so I would imagine that you guys are seeing just over the last decade to 20 years, the shift of having to help animals at the same exact time or like, like, how do you guys get involved at that level?
2: So we definitely have some great resources for people and we want people to think about their pet safety as much as they would think about their own personal safety when it comes to being in a disaster. So much of disaster response is improved when people are prepared. Uh, A lot of times what we're dealing with as Red Cross is after the fact, people have evacuated their homes and they've forgotten to grab their pet's food or they've forgotten to grab their personal medication or their pet's medication. And then we're triaging at that point and trying to fill needs that takes up a lot of time and energy when if you're prepared, you're, you're gonna have a seamless transition in those emergencies and hopefully safeguard your, your personal preparedness is going to be your best bet. Um, When large scale disasters are happening, our attention is pulled in so many directions and for emergency responders for even the red cross, our number one priority is going to be human assets. We are going to prioritize human safety. It's just the facts when these large scale disasters happen. So you being prepared for your pet and for yourself is going to make sure that those things happen better than any agency can take care of you. Of course, we're going to try our hardest. Um, we care about animals and we know that the role that, that pets play in people's lives and how important they are. So we always try to try to address those things. But you, know, you look at a category four hurricane coming into Louisiana right now, we're talking tens of thousands of people that are in harm's way and we can only do so much in those, those critical moments.
0: I think we talked about that a little bit too, Sylvia. If you recall, with we, um, <clears throat> we had a company called Pet Evac Pack on the show. Uh, what was that? Four or five weeks ago. Um, they're actually based here in Reno as well, Mary. I don't know if, if you if you've met them or talked. No, to them.
2: but I need to. <clears throat> we'll,
0: we'll connect to you. And they put together these evacuation packs specifically for. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You can customize it to your animal. But I mean, they, they they have some kind of more generic ones where it's like small dog, medium dog, large dog, custom, double pack, like all these different things. And they really break down like all the different stuff that's going to be unique for an animal as opposed to yours. And, and that's why when we had a chance to bring you on, like I can hear some of our listeners kind of cringing a little bit, you know, hearing like, oh no, that the humans are going to be the ones taken care of first. But the part that's important to me is that this is part of the preparedness of something yeah. that's going in. Like, you, like you have to have proper expectations so that you know what you need to take care of on your own. And I guess yeah. that would be one of my next mm-hmm. questions. Like what, like, what does somebody, what is the experience for somebody that is completely unprepared? Like, yeah. like I haven't done anything. I left the house and I am holding on to my dog and my kid and my wife. And all we have is like some, um, burnt, uh, t-shirts and shorts on, and that's it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's going to depend again on the individual disaster. If it's an individual home fire, typically what Red Cross will do is come in and provide financial assistance. So you can go get a hotel room and you can look for what's best for you in that scenario. If, If you have a pet, you know, you can go find a pet friendly hotel room. Hopefully that will take you in. Uh, and we'll give you some, you know, hopefully financial assistance too, to cover those essentials, the food and some extra clothing and dog food and things like that. So you'll be given a small financial assistance stipend as fast as we can possibly get it to you to cover those first couple of days. Right. And then work in recovery work with connecting you to individual resources that might be relevant to your situation and help you get back on your feet. And our caseworkers are amazing about walking people through that process. Uh, I have to give a pitch. If you are a renter, get renter's insurance. It's the biggest thing we see that, that individuals that rent, uh, their home burns down, they've lost everything. And they're very limited on what they can get back um, because they didn't have renter's insurance. It costs 7 to $10 typically yeah, it's a month. Nothing. It is nothing. So uh, we see very, very few renters with it. And it is a huge barrier to getting back on your feet without it. So that's my pitch there. Um, for a large scale disaster, if you've left, first of all, take your pet with you. I hate to say it, but sometimes people downplay how severe these events are. And maybe you think, ah, that fire is six miles from here. There's no way it's going to come. I'm just going to leave my dog behind where he's comfortable. And we're going to go because I know we'll be back. You may not be back and these fires can move very, very fast with wind and situations can change the best forecasts and estimates on these disasters are never perfectly accurate. Take your pet with you. You can't get back. They won't let you to go back. So th- I'm amazed at how many people actually leave their pets behind um, and, and thinking it's what's best wow. for the pet right you know they, they don't want to put mm-hmm. it in a shelter they don't want to displace their pet but sure, the
1: stress
2: yeah right. yeah I mean I get I get as a pet owner like I have dogs in there my life so I get like sometimes you'd think oh my dog's elderly and it's hard for him to travel take them with you um, so that's my first tip Second you know have have a way to confine them yourselves bring a kennel with you. If you don't have a kennel in your house, make sure you have a really sturdy harness and leash. A lot of times when you're coming home from these events, maybe your fence has been taken down. Maybe you've had, um, damage around your property. It's going to disorient your pet if their normal scent, um, areas have been washed away or have been burned away and, and their entire environment has changed. So, we see a lot of pets escape in these situations because they're traumatized as well. And so making sure you have really good, um, ways to secure your pet microchip them. (laughs) We want to reunify when we can. Um, so it's always good to, to have them microchipped, um, put a call. Do you guys have the
0: ability to scan pets?
2: We always work with local animal agencies when these situations happen. So Red Cross doesn't, but we always bring in those, those animal agencies to support just this. Um, not every shelter, most shelters won't take your pet. So that is another thing to consider is where will you go? Um, if you want to stay with your pet, where will you go that you can have them with you? We will provide opportunities to shelter pets um, but they won't necessarily be with you. So just again setting setting the right expectation ahead of time of what usually the government agencies emergency management, Red Cross, um, we support their efforts. Understand those limitations and have alternatives. If you really
1: have to be with your pet, know where you're going to
2: go. Okay,
1: okay, let's take a quick break and we'll get right back to this. Perfect. Okay, so we're back. I have a question. Yeah. So you mentioned something and like this is just from my experience, because like in California, obviously, we experience large scale wildfire events where we lose like I think last year we lost 200 acres in Los Angeles. Probably more than 200. It was really bad. 200,000. I think it was more, yeah, it was like, it was a lot. It was a huge amount of loss. And um, so I've done drives and like donation drives, like getting supplies to families who've lost their homes. Like I can't, I will never forget putting together, I think they call them like recovery kits, which is basically like we have to get the families like buckets, shovels, and like nets so that they can go back and sift through their home ashes to like recover anything that they might need. Like I remember putting those kits together with like my local hardware store, a couple different hardware stores. And something that I think that people don't realize which you mentioned is that you cannot shelter with your pets in a lot of these places. Like you just can't. And that's not because I think that people are like out to get you and your dog, but the the reality of like, there will be other people in the shelter who might be allergic to dogs. There are children there who might be allergic to dogs or have special needs where like they ha- are afraid of your dog, even if your dog is like wonderful and great. Like, um, it's just well, not possible. So not just to mention so you're dealing to with this,
0: the, with dog aggressions as they're going through yes, this stress as yeah, well.
1: Yes, Some dogs are not dog friendly. And so like, I think that, um, Like, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, gosh, like, I'm totally afraid that my dog won't have anywhere to go, like... Or if you're like, oh, wow, that's terrible. How can I help? Like you can sign up. There are lists where you can sign up to be like a temporary shelter placement for a dog, a foster, a temporary foster home for a dog who is displaced from an emergency. Like these lists do exist. You can become a part of them um, and you can search them for people just to know like what's available in your area or like have a family member that maybe can take your dog in in the event of an emergency like because, um, yeah, they won't they won't be able to stay with you there.
2: Yeah, it's just pre planning. Pre planning is always everything, right? So have those plans in place. Do you do you and your pet have some place you can go, whether it's a friend or a family member's house, that you can ride out an event? Um, we will provide opportunities, but again, I get that the opportunities that are provided through the shelters are not ideal. It's like we're going to shelter your animal at a second location in a kennel, typically, um, which you know. I don't want my dog there either, but it it is an emergency, right? Like in an emergencies, we have to just do what we have to do to keep everybody safe. And so it's not ideal. And I would recommend you have a plan in place so you can have a better situation for yourself if that event happens.
0: Do you have um, resources for helping people know what they could do to be prepared?
2: 100% I'm so glad you asked that question.
0: <laughs> Let me so, toss that softball for you there.
2: <laughs> people can go to redcross.org/pets with an s pets and there's a bunch of resources on there of things to think through ahead of time, things to pack, mm. uh links to, you know, getting a microchip, all those things that you can do ahead of time. You know, if your pet is on medications, you need to have their medications with you or you know, at least a list of their medications, just as much as you need that for yourself. So thinking through all of those things in advance, I pack a duffel, I have a duffel bag for my whole family, right? It has all those things in it. And sometimes it's taking your personal documents, medication lists, take a picture of it and throw it on a thumb drive and throw it in that bag, just so you have a way to access it. Um, And again, make sure you take it with you when you leave, if at all possible. And pre plan as well, if you aren't home and your pet is, do you have a neighbor or friend that could go and get them? Because sometimes you're at work and you're not going to be allowed to get back into an evacuation zone. We try to to accommodate that, but I've seen it happen where a fire's raging really heavily in an area and it's not safe to let people return to their homes. Um, but if you had a friend or a neighbor that was in the area that could swing by and pick up your pet, like have that plan in place as well.
0: What about the thought, like, um, so I was just kind of going through this. Uh, like if we couldn't get back into our neighborhood, I have neighbors that I could absolutely call, but my dogs may or may not want to go with them. Like it might be dangerous for my neighbors to come over and try and grab my dogs and put them in. Is it better just to let the dogs out as opposed to keeping them locked into a, a yard? Like are like are animals smart enough to move away from the danger or or no? It's
2: a, I would say it's... I, I don't know what the Red Cross stance on that. It would probably be no, but at the same time, every emergency is different and your level of emergency is going to be different. And depending on the circumstances, you've got to make the best decision that you can make in that moment. And your pet, yeah, it's probably going to be better off loose than stuck in a house or stuck in a yard. That makes common sense to me you know, where they can't get out and they're stuck. I, we've certainly seen it with livestock. A lot of times the livestock. Right. And that's
0: kind of, what I was thinking like horses and stuff like that. Cause I mean, I would, Im- I would imagine that, um, like you're going to have certain size limitations somebody's not going to be able to show up with 30 horses and say we're Well, we, we try to
2: we try to have a contingency for livestock and and pets. So there're usually when you look at these evacuation orders it'll say here's your evacuation shelter, here's the, you know, evacuation for plan for pets and livestock and we'll have places to go. And I know it'll be no shock to either of you, but the animal community rallies pretty heavily yep. around these events. And, and we do see people that will come in with trailers and try to get the animals out. Again, no one wants to see any loss of life, sure. um, four-legged or two-legged. So w- we're always going to be working to try and prevent as much as possible. Or
0: tripods. Or I know we'll tripods. get massive.
2: <laughs> I mean, you don't want to miss those. They're my favorite. <laughs>
0: So what does that part of the experience look like when you show up? So like something's happened and, um, I would imagine that you guys either have buses that are going to take you down to the shelter, or, um, if you got your car out, you're able to drive somewhere. Like, like what are those first initial steps look like? Cause like for me again, and I have, I have a question about your duffel bag too, but so don't let me forget that. <laughs> but for me, um, it just having some sense of anticipation. I know every emergency is going to be different and working in different locations is going to be like all of these different things. But if I was to show up and have some kind of idea, like, okay, I know that the red Cross is probably going to be giving me a piece of paper and then they're going to put us into a particular area. And then they're going to provide us likely with these kind of supplies. And then we're on our own from there versus that. I mean, we experience that little bit of fear, just walking into a new room for a cocktail party where you're like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to hide here in the corner, let alone the chaos of an emergency. So like, like, what does that look like?
2: Well, we always ask that you check in with a volunteer first. So our red cross team at a red cross managed shelter, and they're not always red cross managed, but from our experience, we have an open shelter in Nevada right now. We have a beautiful team of volunteers that are just standing by waiting for people to arrive. Um, and they're going to check you in right now. We're going to screen you for COVID and make sure that we have the right health protocols in place as well. Um, we have currently at the shelter that's open right now, a giant trailer sitting right in the very front with a ton of kennels sitting right there. So as soon as you arrive, we're going to have some supplies for you to, to get your pet secured. Um, we will talk to you about the best option for you. If you want to stay on site, usually a congregate shelter. That's what we call most of our mass care shelters. Congregate shelters are cots, cots in a, in an area that we have spaced out equally. Like a gymnasium. Yeah. I mean, that's what we got for an emergency. So we put people on cots. Um, right now we have, uh, distancing requirements because of COVID. So they're more spread out than a typical shelter time, but, uh, we'll make sure that you're safe. If you have a pet, It might have to go to that animal shelter that's nearby, um, depending on the shelter and what they allow. So it really depends on the facility. So always ask them those questions. What's the plan? Sometimes people come down to the shelter and they'll choose to they'll have their trailer with them, or they'll even tent camp around the shelter. And that's an option. And that's one way that some people stay with their animals is that they stay near the shelter on property, and they bring a tent or they bring their trailer down, they still have access to the shelter. So they're getting regular information through our communications channels. And we have support services such as, you know, feeding and emotional health support and health services all available so they'll stay near us so they have access to some of those things, but they can be with their pets so that's an option as well. So it's really gonna I I agree it's unfortunately case by case emergency by emergency. If you don't have transportation out of the evacuation center. We will likely have a sheriff's department police department sometimes we have shuttles again depends on the emergency they'll get you out. Um, those sheriff's, sheriff's officers and police officers are going to go door by door and knock and make sure people are wow. out of those areas. So, um, we've seen that happen,
1: which also We're- like, is like an endangerment to their lives. So like, if you're in an evacuation zone, like just evacuate, let's get out. Um, yeah, if you,
2: if <laughs> at all go. possible, get out. Uh, um, if you don't have transportation call and tell somebody I'm here at this house and I don't have transportation. I mean, the compassion of people is when I, when you work for the Red Cross, you see the best of people and the compassion and humanitarian spirit around these events is incredible. And there, there will be people that will, will help you if at all possible.
1: Wow. Okay. I'm going to take one last break. I know. Um, and we'll be right back.
0: So here's, here's one of my last big questions that, um, that I've been dying to ask. Um, and you, uh, you had a military background already, uh, before starting with the red cross, but since starting with the red cross, you mentioned that duffel bag that you have, what have you changed or modified or, um, like added to that just as a level of preparedness. And you've got, so you have Ooh. the, you've got your husband, your daughter and the two doggos. Yep. So, so that's a fairly average family size. So do you have individual that's duffel a bags?
1: Duffel bag.
0: Do you have one, like, talk to me about this duffel bag.
2: So I have multiple duffel bags. <laughs> one, because again, like running the scenarios through my head, I have a duffel bag in my trunk and it has, it's a smaller one and it has some basics. Uh, it's a dual purpose duffel bag for my personal evacuation, as well as like if I were to reunify with family somewhere or have family with me, um, so I have small, a smaller number in there. It's also my Red Cross go bag, so there's some different items in that when I'm called out uh, to a disaster with no notice. So I carry that in my trunk. Our home preparedness is a little bit more robust. We do have the duffel bags, you know, change of clothes, uh, the documentations on a thumb drive medication list, anything like that.
0: How much Um, of this stuff did you have before working at the Red Cross?
2: Well, I lived in Alaska before I moved here and I'm prior military. So I've always been a pretty prepared person. Mm -hmm. The thumb drive tip is a Red Cross tip that I did not have before. And I've always thought like, I'm not going to carry my passport in a duffel bag, in right? Like realistically, that just never really made sense to have like my birth certificate and stuff in a go bag, but I can take pictures Mm. of it and put it on a thumb drive. Like that was such a smart idea. I was like, I don't know why I've never thought of that before. So that was the big tip that I love. Same thing with your valuable photographs. Like you think about evacuation, people ripping the photos off the wall, right? Like we live in a digital age, take Mm -hmm. pictures of that stuff, you know, get your, um, get your your stuff digitized so you can transport and you won't be at risk of losing them um especially that older stuff that you know maybe mom or dad passed down to your grandma and grandpa so that's probably the biggest takeaway i keep food and water uh for at least 72 hours that's the recommendation for all of us so so
0: what does that look like like what does 72 hours of food and water look like cuz i think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that we have like how much we actually consume
2: Mm-hmm.
0: within 72 hours.
2: Well, and food is not the priority. I hate to say that like food. Yes, but really water. Cause you use water a lot more than just to drink. And people don't realize that. Um, and if your water is contaminated, you, you know, just even hygiene and things like that, you're going to want to have some water supplies. So we, uh, I always mm-hmm. have a gallon per person per day. So 72 hours, depending on the size of your family plan for, uh, with red cross,
0: you know, if you go back, like that is an important number that I don't think people really wrap their, like they hear it and they, a gallon per person Person per day day. as a, as like a minimum. Mm -hmm. And obviously maybe your dogs are going to be a little bit less than that, but when you start, like, just go do this exercise, go put three days of water, for every single person in your family in the back of your car and look how much space that takes up. Yeah. It's not.
2: And how to store your water. I mean, make sure you have the right storage receptacles for these things as well, especially if you're going to fill them and have them sitting, you know, you don't want to rotate your water every day, obviously. So there are some, some vessels that are created to hold water more long-term. Um, so look at that, you know, and if again, each disaster is different, and you need to look at where you are and what the threats are to your community. A hurricane, you can see that coming, right? So you have time to refill your water containers. You have time to maybe fill up a bathtub and have that available in case the water supply is, is you know, messed up or whatever. Um, in an earthquake in California, you're going to get zero notice. So no you know, notice events are totally will be different. Normal one day. Yeah. It's very, very different. So you have to think about those things and what, if you're in California, you better have like a large water receptacle that you're keeping fresh every, you know, so many months, depending on what, what you have it in. Um, so thinking through these things, it's no fun. Like nobody wants to think about this stuff, but it's really, really important to your, your personal safety because when large scale events happen, again, everyone is stretched thin red cross, is local. We're usually in all communities in some level, but when a big community event happens, we have to bring in resources. And that's where that 72 hours comes in is it takes a few days to get things mobilized and into those communities to help them. We can't be there that first second, especially with no notice events like an earthquake.
0: Well, and I think the other thing, and I've talked to Christy about this before in any event, it doesn't matter whether it's a hurricane or a forest fire or, um, uh, uh flooded like sometimes it's not about avoiding the disaster it's about avoiding everything that's going on because of the disaster so if I have water and food in my house and I like we have a bag of dog food as just like emergency dog food like a really big bag that we don't use and we'll end up probably just throwing it away and putting something else back there and, and rotating through it but the whole purpose is, I don't want to go to the grocery stores.
2: No. Right.
0: Like, like if everybody just needs to go back and think about people were fighting over toilet paper for no freaking reason in a not real disaster. I'm not trying to make plight of anything, but this was not a, a, you know, a a hurricane or earthquake suddenly hits and everybody is rushing for these supplies. It's like, I want nothing to do with grocery stores or the streets or anything like that. I want to be able to stay in my home as well. Mm-hmm. So having that stuff there to avoid ending up in a disaster is part of the, the solution as well.
2: Yeah. I completely agree. You know, again, I have a pantry. I, I purposely keep uh, canned and like pouch. I mean, we're in such a great age now. I feel like too, I think about my grandma's preparedness and you know, she had the like jar <laughs> stuff, right? Like we have so yeah, many she great was, like, meal hamper. options. Yeah. We have great meal options that have long shelf life. Um, my personal favorite, there's like these like lentil packs, you can get them at, um, Costco, right. They're really tasty and they have a long shelf life. I throw a few of those in my bag because I know I could eat it cold, even if I had to, right. And it would be super yummy. It's got protein. It's got everything that I'd need to give me energy to keep me going. Um, so there's a lot, I I would avoid sugary granola bars, like think through what your true nutritional needs are going to be in these scenarios, but pre-planning is everything. And nobody thinks it's ever going to happen to them that we see that over and over and over again, people coming to shelters and just saying, I didn't think it would hit us. I didn't think it would be us. Even with home fire response, you know, people standing barefoot on the street corner when we show up and it's like their home is burning in front of them. And they're like, we just never thought this would happen.
0: And again, uh, uh, to give us hold up. Quick shout out back to pet Jake. backpack again, because yep. like some of this is complicated Correct. to go through and like, Hey, we need this. and We need this. And how do I know what we need? And you'd mention like, we're growing up in this age that has all this great stuff. Now there's literally this company that we're mentioning on here that you can just kind of get it and forget it type deal and know that probably 90% of your needs are going to be covered for your pet. And if you want to open it up and duplicate it for yourself as well, because it's going to, it's going to just double it in size.
2: Well, and again, Red Cross has a ton of information as well. RedCross.org slash pets for your pets, but you can go on there. We even have pet CPR classes, right? Like we can get you ready and ready for your pets, you know, so go get on, get educated and take action to be
1: prepared. Yep. Awesome. Well, we have come to the end of the show. That's have, it. We did it.
0: I have one but, lined um, up.
1: Before we let you go, Mary. And before we let you go, um, funny story has something very special to share with you. Oh, goodness.
0: Funny story. (laughs) Mary was actually part of the original inspiration behind the dog dad jokes.
1: Wow. Well, Mary, you're your brainchild at 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 work. I don't know that this is the legacy (sighs) I want.
0: Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's the best one. So actually, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question. You had a joke in particular that you absolutely loved. Oh no. Do you remember oh, what your, your no. favorite dog dad joke was? Like you wanted to put this on a t-shirt. So it, it was going to go on our next shirt.
2: Oh no. What was it? There were so many good ones. Did I have a favorite? I probably you, did. You,
0: you wrote it down on the door and it was, um,
2: Wait, how, is this the joke?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a way to, um,
2: no, just say it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to remember it. My brain. I can like, I see She's the door. Busy. Yeah. She's in what like you, hurricane
1: mode.
0: What do you, what do you call a, a dog that does magic? Say it. Labra- labracadabra door. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, that's funny.
1: <laughs> it's good. <laughs>
0: I think there's a chance that we use that one on the early early podcasts do you remember sylvia
1: i've never heard this. You've never heard that no, one okay this yeah door. this Labradabra joke is news to me
0: but i couldn't pass on it there like you know, i was Mary. sitting here looking I was, he's I been saving
1: this for you well
0: oh, no i had a different one about um how a dog avoided getting kicked out of their apartment he re- renegotiated his leash
2: <laughs> oh
1: man
0: that's I'm the one sorry. I was. You got you. two
1: jokes, Mary.
0: <laughs> this is so. But what I'm
1: understanding is like I have you to blame for this. Okay, all right. Maybe well, next time bit. a guest feels tortured, I'll be like Mary Powell, Mary Powell, everyone.
0: Whatever. I'm. Um, I'm in talks. No, we with, thank you for with Netflix to do my own comedy special. It's coming. Good
1: luck with that. <laughs> Oh my gosh, well Mary, thank you so much for coming on with us today and just talking like preparedness especially in such unprecedented times. Um you know, we are coming into that fall season, so if you or your family are at risk of experiencing an emergency, please check out the Red Cross, please check out Pet Eback be prepared, feel prepared. I can tell you after these last two interviews, I'm feeling extremely underprepared. So it's definitely changing my mind about how I need to be ready because like you said, no one thinks it's going to happen to them, but it's going to happen to someone. And it could be you.
0: All right. Very good. Thanks
1: so much, Mary. Thank you for having me. Just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone for listening today. And our guest, Mary Powell, again, as always, anything that we discussed websites, and we talked about the pet e-backpack again. It's all going to be listed in the show notes. Um, please make sure to check us out on social media, which is at Dog's Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you're not already, please hit that subscribe button so that you know when new episodes are happening. I'm doing I'm doing airline traffic directing.
0: I know your your hands watching, are moving a million miles an hour, traffic. and your your is you not quite to, keeping up with it. It's it's fascinating.
1: Do do, mm, mm, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Now I'm boging It's happening. Anyways, follow, subscribe, review, rate, and if there is a topic, personality, or anything else pet related that you're like, hey, you guys need to talk about it. Let us know so that we do. You we'll do. See you
0: next time. Awesome. Bye.